Stories told of a, sounds so familiar, it could be one of my grandkids. It wasn't. I was going to say his name was little Johnny. He's five years old. And the mom was in the kitchen cooking supper. And uh, she told little Johnny, she said, little Johnny, I need some, a can of soup from the pantry. Will you get me a can of soup from the pantry? Little Johnny looked over at the pantry door and it was closed. He said, mama, he said, it's dark in there and I don't want to go in there. She persisted and said, little Johnny, it'll be okay. Just, I need a can of soup. Would you get that? Well, I'm afraid to go in there. And finally, the mama thought, and she said, Johnny, Jesus will be in there with you. It's okay. Go ahead and get me a can of soup. Little Johnny walked over to the pantry door, and he cracked it open. He looked in, and it was dark. He was about to tell his mama no again when he had an idea. He stuck his head in, and he said, Jesus, would you please hand me a can of soup? Um, Fears, fear, can be, fear can be a horrible, horrible, horrible thing and can paralyze, can do a lot of things to us. I want to talk to us today about living fearlessly, living fearlessly. And we're in the 10th chapter of Matthew. We've kind of, kind of tied it in and we've been meandering through Matthew and going through this. In chapter 9, Jesus looked out and saw the, the world and the people of the world. And the scripture says that he was moved with compassion. When he saw them, they were like sheep with no shepherd. He saw them with all their problems, and they didn't know where to go for help. So with this mood with compassion, he encouraged to pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth labors into his harvest. In chapter 10, right at the beginning then of chapter 10, Jesus calls his 12, and then he sends them out, sends them out as apostles to the, lost, uh, to the Israel, to the tribes of Israel. And he sends them out with a, with a mission to go tell them that the Messiah had come. And to share with them the miracles and, the, and the, all the, the proofs, the things that the prophets had prophesied would happen when the Messiah came were being fulfilled. He sent them forth with this, with this mission and with a message and, he t- and the method that they were to go. He also told them as he sent them that they were to be prepared because everyone wouldn't receive them joyfully. That a matter of fact, that they, as they went, that they could expect there would, be, there would be trials, there would be challenges, there could even possibly be persecution, and that persecution could rise to the level of death, of giving their life as they shared the message of the gospel. As he shared this, we also, last week, we took a look, and we started in verse 16, or, uh, verse, where he tells them, really, I'm sending you forth as sheep into the midst of wolves. And we took a, we, we, we took a look uh, uh, about that as, as he shared this with them. And as he was sharing this, I can imagine that in their minds, they're thinking, wow, wow. In our minds, we, you know, sometimes we, we can think the worst. Sometimes our thinking can never even measure up. But as he, as he shared this with them, when we move into verse 24 today, he, he shared this but he quickly wanted them to know as they faced persecution and as they go and as we go, that we're not to go moved with fear of man, but we're to live fear, fearfully, fearlessly. Matter of fact, there's three times in the passage that we're going to look at today in verse 26, in verse 28, and in verse 31 that he tells them, don't be afraid, fear not, fear not. 
And he, and he says, Let's, I want to come back and I want to talk about fear a little bit and how, how do we live fearlessly? What does fear cause in our lives? And how do we live above that? Or how do we live fearlessly? But first, let's look at the scriptures. Let's pick up in verse 24 and read down through uh, verse 36. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It's enough for the disciple that he, has, that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house, Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? Now, the disciples understood and knew that Jesus, that there were those who, who recognized, and they, they were, I imagine they're thinking this, how could people not recognize that this is the Messiah? They left everything to follow him. But then by, it didn't take long as Jesus taught and as he preached that there were those who, for different reasons, uh, uh, did not believe. And he was accused of, of being filled with uh, demons or being under the control of, of Beelzebub. He was accused of a lot of things falsely. And he tells them, fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. What? I tell you in darkness that you speak in light and what you hear in the ear preach from the housetops and fear not them which kill the body but are not able to kill the soul but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing and one of them shall not fall to the ground without your father but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, because you are of far more value than many sparrows. Whosoever, therefore, shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father, which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father, which is in heaven. Think about the, the fear of man. The fear of man and Jesus understanding that as they go, as you go, as we go, that this is going to be one of the great tools of the enemy. He says, think not that I've come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I'm come to set a man at variance against his father, the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be those of his own household. Last week, remember, we talked about as we go forth in the midst of, as sheep in the midst of wolves, that, uh, that, we will, that we can experience opposition, and that would be from civil authorities, from religious authorities. And we talked about, but, the, but as we expect that, sometimes the most difficult is even those from within our own families, as they don't understand oftentimes what God, if they aren't walking with the Lord, especially when God calls us to do something or sends us forth. So, as Jesus speaks to them, he wanted them to, to live fearlessly. But fear is such a part of our lives, and God knows this. As a matter of fact, we don't travel far in God's word till we encounter fear. Matter of fact, we travel 66 verses into Genesis. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 10, is the first time we, we're, we're introduced to this fear. In Genesis, and the situation is there is that Adam and Eve have disobeyed God. They've, they've eaten from the fruit that God told them not to eat of. And now God comes as, as usual to, for fellowship with them, to walk with them, to talk with them in the cool of the evening. And Adam and Eve, now having sinned, run and hide. And God calls him 
And Adam answers. And Adam says, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Someone has said that it se- there seems to be a relationship between the fall of humanity and the fear of humanity. Indeed, with sin came this fear of, 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 of relationship, fear of God, and he hides. And it seems, um, it seems that fear also finds its way into each one of our lives, every, every one of our lives in different ways. Uh, you know, we, sometimes we can be fearful. We wonder what the next battery of tests are going to reveal. What will the doctor find at the next visit? Or will the surgery help? Will I, will I, or is there treatments? Are the treatments going to help? Sometimes there's fear of, will I have enough money to pay the bills this month? Sometimes there's fear there of, will I, have I, have I, will I be able to draw enough or have I laid aside enough to ever be able to retire? Or, or how am I going to survive when I, as I grow older? There's a lot of fears that we encounter. And we give them different names. We call them uh, stress. We call them worry. We call them sometimes anxiety or being anxious or tension. You know, just, just a little bit of tension. And, and it, it doesn't help that we live in a culture that seems to be always obsessed with fear. Um, we, uh, we, Jeff, just, just share, we pray for the, the latest victims of, of, of terror attacks in, in London. And, uh, and, and so we've got the fear of terrorism. We've got so many fears today that even growing up, I mean, today there's, uh, there's mosquitoes. They, they carry a virus. Is it Zika? Is that what it is? Zika virus. Uh, today's, you know, uh, there's flesh-eating bacteria. I just want to tell you, and I understand, but growing up, we didn't, knew, we didn't know any of this. May have been there, didn't know about it. We were all the time, you're playing outside in summer barefoot all the time, getting mosquitoes, beat up mosquitoes, chickers, and ticks. You pulled, if you found a tick, you pulled it off. You never thought about getting Rocky Mountain spotted fever, you know? And you always had cuts where you'd stepped on nails or stumped your toe and lost your toenail, and you waded mud holes, and we never thought about getting flesh-eating bacteria. Jeff sent me a, sent me a picture Recently, I, when I, we were talking about, something was mentioned about down below Notley Dam, and, I, and we mentioned the quarry hole there. There's a pond where they quarried the, the rock for the riprap, and that used to be where we went swimming, Canal Lake Bible Camp. And he said, have you seen that lately? Uh, you know, and uh, that looked better, that looked pretty good the other day, but, but places we thought, did we used to swim in that? It didn't look that bad when we swam there. We probably kept everything, you know, run off. But all these, these fears are all around us. And this week, don't, surely don't want to be politically correct, but this crazy thing called uh, the, the climate, was this Paris Climate Accord or something? And, and when the president said, well, we're not going to be a part of that, oh, the world went crazy. The world went crazy. And I, I, was, you know, and I, was, I was listening to different pundits on, on different sides, but we're thinking, that's the end of the world. Water levels are going to rise. We'll all be dead. Fear, fear. There's people that are, they're running for their lives and fearful of one person being elected in office and another not fear. You know, and they spread their fear mongrels. You know, and we seem, it seems to be all around us. And we know what fear can do to us. Fear can affect us in so many, so many 
different ways. Fear, fear can paralyze us. Now, I, I grew up as a kid. I remember Nikita Khrushchev. That's the old one. The young one said, never heard of him. He don't live from around here. Got that by his name. Okay. <laughs> but Nikita Khrushchev was, was he was a, what a, of Russia. What a, what a, what a Soviet Union. Hey, I don't know what, they don't call him president. They call him, he was premier. He was a guy. And, and Khrushchev uh, was, he, he was, he was decrying Stalin, Joseph Stalin. And, uh, and he was talking about the brutality of Stalin. And Khrushchev is the one who said, give me your kids to the time they're six and I'll, they'll be a communist the rest of their life. I think that was Nikita Khrushchev. But he was decrying Stalin and Stalin's tactics and the brutality of Stalin on the, on the Russian people in a public meeting one day. And a lot of people and a voice from way in the back said, well, if he was so bad, you were one of his contemporaries. Why didn't you do something to stop him? And Khrushchev yelled out and said, who said that? And it was deadly silence, deadly silence. No one spoke, no one moved, no one said anything. And Khrushchev said, now you know why I didn't say anything. Fear. Fear can freeze us. It can paralyze us from acting when we know we should. Fix us in a lot of ways. Fears can, uh, can hold us captive. Fears can, can literally keep us in bondage when we don't have to be in bondage. Uh, true story. You read it. Uh, you've heard about it. But uh, on the island of Guam after World War II, Japanese soldier there that was, uh, was, was stationed on Guam. The war ended. Uh, Japan surrendered. And the war ended. And they, 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 uh, the powers wanted to know how to let these soldiers that were fighting in the jungles, how to let them get word to them that the war was over. So they dropped leaflets through the jungle. And uh, uh, the last, I can't say the guy's name, but the last name is Y-O-K-O-W-A-I. All right, you Japanese experts. Yoko Wei, I don't know. But uh, he was, uh, he, he read some of the leaflets and he thought they were propaganda. They were just, they were, they, were, they were being used by the Americans to try to get people to surrender so they could torture them and kill them. And indeed, he had been, they had been told, don't, don't ever let the Americans capture you because they'll, they'll, they're brutal, they'll torture you, and they'll, they'll, they'll brutally kill you. So he fled, to the, he, he fled deeper into the jungles and he found a cave. And so for the next 28 years, 28 years, he lived in fear in this cave. He would come out at night. He would, uh, he would uh, find food. He would live because he was, uh, he was afraid, afraid to turn himself in, afraid that, that that wasn't the truth, but afraid if it was truth, what would happen when he did turn himself in? Finally, a group of natives convinced him that it would be okay. So he turns himself in, and 28 years after the war's over, he's united with his family back in Japan. 28 years of his life lost because of fear. How many years of our life can fear steal from us? Especially fear of man. Wow. It's brutal. It's brutal. But what if we could live fearless? What if we could get past this fear that paralyzes us? What if we could get past this fear that captures us and holds us 
longer than we want to stay there. Time and time again in Scripture, we, we see God's Word. We see Jesus especially with his disciples uh, saying, you don't have to be afraid. Here he's telling these guys, he's sending them out. And three times he's telling them, as you go, expect these things to happen, but don't ha- you, don't have to be, you don't have to go fearfully. You don't have to go paralyzed by fear. You don't have to go to being held captive by fear. I want you to go fearlessly when it comes to the fear of man. Then after the crucifixion and the resurrection, after on, on that Easter morning, that first day of the week, as Jesus, when he came back to life, over and over again, we see as, as he appeared to Peter and John, as he appeared to the women, and then as he appears to the disciples, and, and he would appear in their midst, and obviously, and they would, you know, and he would say, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. And indeed, he says to us, you can live fearfully. When we come to that place where we believe that Jesus Christ is who he said he was, he's God's son, God's only begotten son, that he is our redeemer, that he is our savior, that died on the cross, lived righteously, lived holy without sin, died on the cross to take my sins and your sins on him so that we could be clothed in his righteousness. And when we put our faith and our trust in who he is, that he is the living Lord, that he is the resurrection and the life. When we put our faith and trust in him and when we place our lives in his hands, hasn't he promised and doesn't his word promise that he will never fail us? He will never leave us? He will never forsake us? He'll never forget us? Indeed, his word tells us that he will always stay with us. His word tells us that he will strengthen us. It tells us that he will guide us. He will be there. And because he is a living God, because he is a living Savior, then we too can live fearlessly. How do we do that? I, there's three things that just that, that I think of, and I, and I think of it a lot. And I think about it, I talk to, we got, here we've got Oksana and Adema, and the, the, uh, Oksana, it's, it's, I, I better go Svetlana. We talked about Oksana out there. Wrong, wrong, wrong pastor's daughter. Uh, got Svetlana and Dima. In their family, they're there in Ukraine fighting. Her mom, we pray, and her mom is living in occupied territory now, occupied by the Soviet troops. We have uh, uh, Lou just back from countries that are killing Christians. We have Pastor Jim just back from countries, best friends, many, many men and women that he has known personally, loved as dear brothers who have been martyred for the faith. And, 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 and we think, how did they do that? And when we talk to them or when we talk to those people where they are, they're not living in fear. They're not paralyzed by fear. They're not victims and captives captives of fear because they don't live with the fear of man. You've got to come to a place where you can live fearlessly as far as man's concerned. How do we do that? Three things. First one is this, is I think we need as believers to expect difficulties in life. Jesus told his disciples, he said, when you go out, guys, it's not going to always be easy. Jackie Coyne's father, Arthur Hart, great man of God, go home to be with the Lord. But Arthur had a, uh, a beatitude. He said, blessed are those who expect nothing, for they shall never be disappointed. <laughs> Often surprised. But how true it is, oftentimes our expectations Getting the way and get, get, get us in trouble because 
somewhere along the line, there's, been, there's also been some false teaching that is, if you simply put your faith in the Lord, that he'll never let anything bad happen to you. Now, I want to tell you, that's not biblical. It's, it's not biblical. As we, as Jesus is sending his disciples out, as he sends you and, and, and me out, as he sends us out, we need to understand that, that sorrows, that trials, that sufferings, that temptations, even tragedies are a part of the human experience. He has promised that as we go as children of God, that we will never go alone and we will never have to face these alone, but that he will always be there. And it seems to me that, that as we go and as Jesus sent his apostles out and he sends us out, whether it's back to Ukraine, whether it's to the Middle East or whether it's to Latin America or whether it's to Murphy or whether it's to Blairsville, that when he, wherever he sends us out, that as Christians, we need to understand, he talked about in this scripture that if they, if they persecuted the master, they'll persecute the ones that are sent. We need to understand that there will be opposition. And don't be too surprised. Oh my goodness, how could this happen? Well, Jesus wanted us to know that. But he also wants to know that we don't have to fear that. We need to remember that. Second thing I believe that helps us live fearlessly is that we need to remember who God is. We need to remember who God is and fear him alone. Matter of fact, he tells us that in verse 28. Jesus tells them, don't fear man who can destroy your body, but fear the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. In other words, he's saying fear God. Doesn't scripture say that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom? And so what does it do? Remembering who God is. I think, and we were talking about this morning, I love Bill's testimony. I love it when somebody just gives praise and glory for who he is. And that's what we've heard several times this morning already. He's an he's a awesome God. He's a sovereign God. He's a loving God. He's all-powerful God. You know, that's who he is. And as we focus on who he is and his glory and his power, one of the things it does is it takes our eyes off of us and ourselves and focus it upon him. But I'm convinced that a lot of our fears, a lot of our fears are associated when we start looking at us and looking at ourselves and me, what's gonna to happen to me? What's going to, you know, and, and we focus too much there. When we see him and trust him, I think it becomes, life becomes much more easier to live fearlessly when we live it in the context of that God is in charge, that God is in control. Whatever happens to me today, God's going to know about it before it ever happens. The third thing is, not only do we need to remember who God is, but we need to remember as believers who we are. We're a child of the king. We're his child. And God takes care of his kids. He's never, he's never lost one. I'm not going to say that about most of us parents. I mean, there's, I'm not going to go there. But we, we need, he always, we, we remember that. We remember him and who he is and, and the promises that we have as his children. One of my favorite portions of scripture is found in the passages, is found in Romans chapter 8. It's a, it's a big, powerful passage. 
coming in on the heels of chapters 5, 6, and 7 there. And in, in Romans chapter 8, uh, reminding us of who we are and of the Holy Spirit living within us and the ministry and the power of the Holy Spirit in the lives of believers. And then uh, uh, the promises there of verse 28 and 29 of we know that God's working things together, all things together for the good to those who love him, to those who have been called according to his purpose and that he's working this out. And, and then on the hills of that, chapter, verse 31 comes with these strong words. What should we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And we'd say, well, ISIS? Do you think ISIS scares God? No, Satan wants to use them to strike fear in the lives of people. And the things they do are brutal and inhumane and horrible. It's not saying that. It's not saying that at all. And it's not saying that they're, they're horrible and tragic. But again, God is, we've got to keep our eyes on who God is. Why should we say these things? If God's for us, who can be against us? Who, he spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with Jesus also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Is Christ that died, yes, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from this love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? And you kind of get, get the idea, right? That he could say, I could go on. If you need me to, I could name more. Are they going to be able to separate us from, from God's love in our life? Verse 36, that's written. For your sake, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Isn't that an interesting verse to come right after he's promised that nothing would separate us from his love? Verse 37, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I'm persuaded that in your death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, shout nor height, nor depth, or anything, any other creature. What's that zombie thing? I don't, I don't even know. I don't think they had zombies when we grew up. We had booger meant zombies. It's crazy, <laughs> crazy things. Nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of Christ, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Fear can lead to worry, and worry is just repeating the same worries and thoughts over and over and over again in our mind until we are gripped, frozen, paralyzed, captive by fear. We used to, I used to, the thought I would have, it's like a, a record that's hung up. Now, the young kids have no idea what a record hanging up is, but it's that same, it's just, you know, that's what worry can do, can play it. And we can't turn it off. We'll, we'll go to bed at night, can't turn it off. We'll try to read God's word, can't turn it off. That's what fear, that's what worries can do. In those times especially, when fear would threaten us, I'm convinced we need to remember who we are as, a, as, as believers. We need to remember who our Father is. And we need to know and expect that difficulties will come, but he's already known that. And he's already there. Bill and Gloria Gaither have written a lot of, a lot of awesome songs and sang them. 
our page when we were in California and Paige was just a few months old, Barbie found a, a Gaithard group album. Uh, and every night, I don't know if Paige can be here, every night we played that. We would, we would sit and have prayer with her and she'd go to bed and listen to those songs. I think we even tried to make copies of it for her kids when they come along. And, uh, but there was a time in Bill and Gloria Gaither's life, and I want to share in closing with you some of her testimony about that time. She was, she was pregnant. Okay, we say well, hormones was raging. And by the way, it's good to have hormoneless less, but uh, at least Daphne and Allie, both with us from their surgery. But, but Gloria was, was pregnant with their child. Bill, her husband, had just been really sick with some serious physical stuff, didn't know what was going to happen. And on top of all that, there were some people in the Christian music industry that had accused the Gaithers of their music being not spiritual enough and, uh, and just accused them of, you're just writing songs that are, that are entertaining to the world. They've not got a real message. So it was one of those times when all that's on Gloria's mind and it's New Year's Eve. Let me pick it up here. She said it's New Year's Eve. She sat in a darkened room experiencing a time of torment and fear. I sat alone, these are her words, I sat alone in the darkness thinking about the rebellious world and all of our problems, about our baby yet unborn. And I thought, who in their right mind would bring a child into a world like this? She says she was at the height of her fear when something happened. Her words, she said, I can't quite explain what happened in that next moment, but suddenly I felt free, released from it all. The panic that had begun to build inside was gently dispelled by a reassuring presence and a soft voice that kept saying, don't forget the empty tomb. Don't forget the empty tomb. She then began to confess her faith in Jesus Christ and knew that she could indeed have a baby and face the future with hope and trust for she had been reminded that it was all worth it just because he lives. So she would pin from that experience, she would write these words. How sweet to hold a newborn baby and feel the pride and joy he gives. But greater still the calm assurance this child can face uncertain days because he lives. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. Amen? Let's sing that chorus. Mildred, where are you? Why don't you stand with me?
may be here this morning and this may sound like a bunch of hope maybe a bunch of malarkey if you've never put your faith and the trust in the Lord Jesus Christ it may sound like too good to be true but for those who have walked with him through some of the times that we've talked about they know he's they know it's real and they know that he's always there but if you're here this morning and you've never trusted him as your savior it would be a great time right now just to come to the altar and say I need, I need Jesus to save me this morning I need Jesus to come into my life alright big you can pray right where you are it's a matter of the heart it's a condition of the heart but remember there's something powerful about remember the scripture when he said if you confess me before men I will also confess you before my father because again Satan knows that the fear of man is a powerful powerful factor Jesus said if you deny me before men I'll deny you before my father and it was when we begin confession of who he is and who we are in him I believe that we can live fearlessly Let's pray, and then I want us to sing this one more time. Y'all did so good. I'm always hesitant to sing it a second time because I never can sing two verse, two times alike, but it was so good. Let's pray. Now, Father, as we, as we come to a conclusion of this time together this morning, Father, you, you understand when we talk about a world that's obsessed with fear, you understand how that it was, it's hard to get even skitter bit today without worrying about what we're going to get. And those fears, a lot of them, the things are, are true. But God, I know that as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't, you don't want us to go around living fearfully. And especially when it comes to men in the days in which we live, there's such opposition to the gospel. There's such a strong reaction to men and women and boys and girls that will dare to stand up and say, God's word is true, absolutely true, and it, it's, it's real. There's, there, the world hates that. And there's, there's strong opposition. There's men and women that will kill themselves and others too because they hate your truth and your life so much. So I understand that the enemy can use that to throw fear or to cause fear. But Father, this morning, I'm so aware. I believe that you want us to trust you. You want us to look up, get our eyes off of ourselves and look to you and walk in obedience to you and watch the exploits you do when we walk and live fearlessly for you. For those who are here this morning that may have never trusted you as their Lord and Savior, Father, maybe a dad or mom, maybe a teenager, could be a grandparent that all their life they've just tried to be good and they thought that if they could be good enough, they'd go to heaven. And they've thought that now in the golden years they can't go out and raise as much cane as they used to, so surely they're getting better. And God, this morning, you just reminded us all our goodness is like filthy rags in your sight. It's Jesus and what he did. So this morning, we want to put our faith in you and ask you to come into our heart and say, save me, Lord Jesus. And take this fear, fear of living, fear of dying, fear of speaking or fear of not speaking. Lord, take this fear out and replace it with a holy boldness that comes from you. I ask you to do that. In Jesus' name, you can do that. Let's sing.